The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you were the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you were the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You should not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. It seems an odd thing, the reading today, and the reality that Jesus was sent into the desert. He was just baptized. Just received the Holy Spirit, the heavens opened up and said, Behold, this is my beloved Son. Certainly people were in awe of what had taken place. And then something interesting happens. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. A person of less faith might conclude that the Father and the Holy Spirit had somehow made a concoction of a plan to just really stick it to Jesus. I mean, the Holy Spirit and the God the Father, they just kind of, they're doing their thing. Let Jesus go get tempted by the devil. Let's see how it works out, huh? Certainly that's not the case. But the reality is it's an interesting thing that the Son, who comes and takes on our flesh, is the one who goes out and spends 40 days in the desert to experience temptations. It was not for himself. It was not to kind of prove his own worth. It wasn't so that having received the Holy Spirit, he could kind of muster the faith, muster the gifts for what was to come. Rather, the whole emphasis of Christ's temptation in the desert is there to be able to heal us. Jesus' temptations were not really for himself so much. As for you and I. To be able to understand this, we have to go all the way back, as we so often do, to the book of Genesis, to chapter 3, Adam and Eve. 
Again, we all know the story. Adam and Eve placed in the garden, given dominion over all things, said you can eat of any, any of the trees of that you want, except for that one tree. And anytime you tell somebody, don't do that one thing, what do we do? We do that one thing. And so they do. They go and they eat of the tree that they're not supposed to eat from. And immediately they fall and sin begins to reign in the world. An attentive eye will notice that there are three specific things that they think Adam and Eve to themselves, that they understand about themselves and about the fruit that they look upon in the scriptures. The first thing that they note is that it is good for food. It'll fill the stomach. The second, it is delightful to the eyes. It's good to see. It's beautiful. And thirdly, it is desirous to make one wise. And this was the thing that was ultimately theirs. They wanted to be like gods. And so, having brought all three of these things together in their mind, they reached out and ate of the fruit, and thus began the fall. St. Paul, in one of his letters, would elsewhere describe that, that threefold description as the triple lust. The lust of the flesh for physical comforts, creature comforts. The lust of the eyes for beautiful things, to gather things to oneself, possessions. In pride of life, the exaltation of self, to be able to become like God. It's this triple set of things that ultimately we see fulfilled in the person of Christ. But we don't want to jump ahead too much. Simply to go from Adam and Eve to Christ, because we know there was many generations of people in the meantime where important things took place. And it's important to look at their living out of these threefold things as well. The people of Israel, the ones who themselves were called out for 40, 40 years in the desert to wander before they could enter into the promised land. It was in the desert that they were tempted. It's in the, in the desert Contrary, not in the garden anymore, but now in the desert that they begin to be tempted by Satan as well. In the same ways that Satan tempted the first parents, Adam and Eve. With the flesh, with things, and with pride. There's a whole variety of things that we could point to, but three, one, three of them that we're kind of especially mindful of, and maybe one that we're not, are important to help us to kind of show the descriptions of them. First... Remember how the Israelites, they, they left Egypt, they were, they were in slavery for 400 years, and you know, a million plus people, this huge nation was bound in slavery, and they were finally freed by the Lord on the Passover after the 10th plague, so they've, they've run through, they pass through the Red Sea, the waters crash over Pharaoh's army, these incredible things have taken place, and then they go out in the desert, and they start to complain, because they want some food. They look at the freedom they possess and they said, I would rather be a slave with a full stomach than a free man with an empty one. Rather than serve the Lord, they wanted full bellies. Lust of the flesh. As they were going on, they continued and they struggled to place their trust in the Lord. 
We know that Moses went upon the mountain and began to, to, to speak to God face to face. And for 40 days or so, he was up there. And down below at the bottom of the mountain, the people got restless. And so they took the gold that they had pilfered from the Egyptians and put it all together, gave it to Aaron, Aaron the high priest, who's supposed to be the, the, the priestly representative of the people. He offers this. He takes all the gold. And according to his wonderful description, I just threw it in the fire and a golden calf came out. You know, not my fault. It just happened. They take this, all the gold that they had, and they make this calf, this idol for themselves that they can look upon and go, wow, isn't it beautiful? Look at our golden calf. The other nations would be incredibly jealous of us. Look how beautiful it is. The lust of the eyes. And lastly, the reason that they're in the desert for the first place for 40 years rather than just a few weeks, which is actually just the duration of the trip walking from Egypt to Israel. It's only a few weeks to get there. But 40 years they wander in the desert because whenever the Lord initially called them out, a group of people were sent to do recon. They went up to the land they were supposed to go and take. And they looked and they said, the people are too tall. The walls are too strong. We can't do this. The Lord will not deliver us. This, the, I know God said he, he will give us this land, but we can't. It's not possible. So let's just, let's, let's go, let's do plan B. What can, what can we make of our own strength? You know, who's got a good idea here, huh? And they kind of pitch it to the community and say, who's got a better idea than the Lord our God? <laughs> Pride of life. And because they were unwilling to go up and take the land which God wanted to give them, and in humility, rather than going up, they said, no, we're going to do our own thing. We're going we're gonna to rule. We're not going to take over the land because we, we, you know, we just can't do that. God's not that strong. <laughs> but we, we're going to rely upon ourselves. We're going to trust in ourselves. And we're going to make it work out. And so the Lord says, huh, really? <laughs> Forty years later, <laughs> they just then walk into the land. 40 years. Pride of life. It's important to recognize all of those instances because it's the reminder to us that by ourselves, we cannot fix this. I cannot fix lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. No matter how much we try, it's just not doable. But in Christ, all things are possible. This is why we have our Lord's three temptations that he endures. The first to go out and after 40 days, the understatement of the century, the Lord was hungry. How about y'all on Ash Wednesday when we were asked to eat two small meals and one meal? Was anybody hungry on Ash Wednesday when you had three meals in your belly already? I know I was. <laughs> and three meals and I was still like, man, I could still eat some more. That'd be good right now. 40 days, the Lord went out food and he was hungry. And Satan tempts him, he says, knowingly, take that stone and make it into bread, Jesus. You can do it. You have the power. And look, nobody's around. It's just me and you. Nobody has to know. Nobody has to know. Just fill your stomach a little bit. I know you're hungry. Take a bite. And Jesus denies. Man does not live by bread alone. And with that, unties the knot done by Adam and Eve for the lust of the flesh. 
A second temptation. The devil takes him and he brings him up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus, look how beautiful this is. Ain't it grand? It could be all yours. That's why you're here, right, Jesus? You're supposed to be king of the world. You're supposed to have all of these things. If you just bow down and worship me, I can have all of this be yours. Anything you want is yours. And Jesus says, you shall bow down before no one except the Lord your God. Him alone shall you worship. He cast aside the lust of the eyes, the desire for things. And lastly, the devil takes him to the top of the temple. Knowing that the temple is basically it's the busiest part of the city. It's where you know, there's constantly people coming and going. There's always things happening. Always a crowd present, praying, worshiping, doing something and offering. Knowing that this huge crowd would be present, the devil says, throw yourself off. People will see it. If you want people to believe that you are the son of God like you say you are, show them. Show them that God, using the Psalms that we, that we sung today, show them that the angels will catch you. Then they'll all believe. You want people to believe in you, Jesus? Show them a miracle. Jump from the temple. Prove yourself. They'll think great things of you. They'll speak very, very highly of you, Jesus. And the Lord simply says, no, this is not the way it ought to be. We trust in the Lord. We do not put him to the test. And with that, the third dot undone, pride of life. Our Lord's temptations clearly are not about himself. They're for us, humanity. Because, again, I can't, we can't fix these things. But Christ can And this is why we have Lent. The church doesn't give us Lent for 40 days just to wear a different color vestment to spice things up. It doesn't give us 40 days of Lent so we can come here and and kind of, you know, try to get some good spiritual, you know, personal moral strength that I can, man, I can withstand chocolate for 40 days. Let me show you how strong I am with that, right? It's not about kind of showing our strength, mustering our strength. It's not about even just, you know, some people say just kind of, it's the desert. You just got to get through it, man. You just got to trudge along 40 days, suffer, suffer enough, and Easter will come, right? It is none of these things. It is the place where Christ is victorious, and he says, if you want victory, come to the desert and meet me. If you want to be freed from that desire for the lust of the flesh, where you're ruled by this desire for physical comforts, come meet me in the desert. If you want to be freed from that desire to have things where, in in fact, as often happens when possession of things, the things possess us rather than we possess them. If you want to be freed from that, come, meet me in the desert. And if you want to be filled with praise of God, rather than constantly trying to lift yourself up to be better, come, meet me in the desert. This is what Lent is. It's the place where we take the victory of Christ and we make it ours. We take the things that we can't do and we participate in Christ's victory so that we can actually begin little by little by little to be converted. 
to be freed from our slavery. This is why we fast. To be rid of the desires of the flesh. This is why we give alms. To give away things rather than to gather them to ourselves. To be possessed. And to allow possessions to come to us. To rule us. To see our beautiful things. And this is why we pray. To get down on our knees. And to know that he is God. And I am not. This is Lent. At the end of Mass today, in fact, we're going to have benediction as the, uh, the kind of solemnizing this entry into this holy season, this first Sunday of Lent. And as I was kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament at St. Anne, I was reflecting upon the fact of how God has given us in the Eucharist even these remedies. That in the Eucharist we have the fulfillment of the need for us to be freed from the desires of the flesh. Because he comes and he gives us food, but not enough to fill us. Just enough to keep us hungry for him. He comes and he places himself available on the altar for us to see God face to face in the monstrance. And he is beautiful to behold. But he is not a thing that we can possess. He is God whom we desire to look upon because the look is the look of love that transforms us as much as it does with us in him. And lastly, the Eucharist is a place where we come to pray. The Holy Mass, but also in, in Eucharistic adoration, we kneel before our Lord as a physical reminder that, again, I am not God. I bow before him. He alone do I serve. A wonderful gift that God gives to us in the Lenten season and in this Eucharist. And so I would encourage you to take up these three penances, to take up these three practices of Holy Lent. I know maybe you've already picked your, picked your Lenten things, and maybe if, you, if you've picked one, I would encourage you pick two more to make all three of these. I mean, it's, it's the first Sunday of Lent, y'all. We've only, we're only like four days in, so you'll still get the payoff uh, on the long run. But I would encourage you really to take up something of fasting. It could be fasting from a particular food. It could be abstaining from a particular food. It could be fasting from our creature comforts. When it gets a little warm, turn the AC up in the house and just be warm with the weather. When it gets cold, be cold with the weather. Whatever our comfort things are, set them aside a little bit. You like a nice warm shower? Turn the cold water up a little higher. Offer these things to the Lord. As we come to our Lord, maybe we to give alms. We, of course, we have the, the basket in the back here and at St. Anne's uh, where we can donate food for, uh, for Hope Ministries, for those who, those who are in need, for those who are hungry. When you go grocery shopping, get your own food and then get an extra bag of food for somebody else. Come drop it off at the church. Whenever you find somebody in need, help them out. It doesn't have to be grand things. A little gift of self. You want to clear out your house? Spring cleaning, good time. Give some things away to someone who can use them, make use of them. And prayer, most certainly prayer. To come to our Lord and to pray. We have adoration all day on Fridays at St. Anne from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament where we can come and behold God face to face. We've got the Stations of the Cross here on Tuesday nights, there on Friday nights. We've got... The fulfilled DVD series where we can go and we can, we can pray and worship and, and, and experience the gift of God in the sacred scriptures. So many things 
not even besides our personal prayer that we can add on. So many opportunities for us that the Lord gives to us. And every one of them is a simple opportunity to come and to participate in the victory that Christ already has. So let us trust in the Lord. Let us enter into this desert and rejoice in the gift of his grace.